This is a Spirit of Truth Radio Network original program. What happens when a priest receives a new assignment? What kind of expectations does the new priest have on his new parish? And what expectations does the new parish have on their new priest? Joining me along the way to discuss these questions and more is Father David Michael Moses. Father, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Been looking forward to this. Oh, man, it is a trip to follow you on Facebook. Your use of the media, social media, is absolutely outstanding. You you bring such a message of joy and happiness, to me anyway, um, and I'm sure all your other Facebook friends uh, have as much fun watching your videos as I do. Well, that means a lot. I appreciate that. It's definitely a unique way to connect with people, and I try to use it, um, hopefully, for for God's glory. Uh, You certainly do, Father. Father, you're a man of many talents. You recently had a concert for life. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So growing up, you know, my parents, like a lot of kids, had me take some um, lessons on different musical instruments. I played piano when I was about six or seven. Then I busted out of it, is what I say, after about a year, busted out. And then I started taking guitar lessons when I was about 10. And about a year into that, I wrote a song. It was it was a pretty terrible song, I will say, to start with, about all the dogs in our neighborhood. Um, but I really fell in love with songwriting after that. Um, this ability to create something that otherwise would not exist, right? And, and to be able to be a part of that process. Um, so I started writing songs about all kinds of stuff. And then when I was um, 17 years old, my dad was very involved in, um, has always been very involved in pro-life work. Um, It's a long story, but he went to jail about a dozen times at one point uh, for three or four months. Um, It was all sanctioned by the church and part of the diocese, but he really laid it all out there for the pro-life movement. Um, And more recently, he's been on the board of directors for uh, a pregnancy center we have here. And he said, hey, how about we do a like benefit concert for the uh, for the Pregnancy Help Center. You've written all these songs, you play all these instruments. And so we did, we had about 300 people come to that first concert, about 70, we raised about $70,000. And then we've done it almost every year since then. And this past summer, um, we had a bunch of priests come out. I wrote all the music, they all played in the band. And we had about 2000 people and raised $140,000. So it's just a lot of fun for a really great cause. All the gentlemen that were with you were all Priest and religious. I think there was a brother or something, right? Right. They were all priests. One was a Franciscan priest. The rest were diocesan. And then one guy was was in seminary, so studying to be a priest. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. They're, they're all awesome musicians, so the music sounds sounds really high quality. How'd you guys come together? Yeah, so I, it was just me initially, right, the first few years of the concert. Then a, bu- a buddy of mine also played um, some music in the seminary, so I invited him to, him to come. Another friend also played, so we got a few kind of seminarians together. It was kind of a mix. Yeah. Um and then over the years, you know, we've con- kind of continued to, to grow. Um, we had Father Stan Fortuna, who you might you might have heard of back in the day, come out and play. And then some other guys I, I just kind of known from. In fact, kind of going back to social media, one of the guys had watched my videos like years before. And then I ended up calling him to, to, to come play um, play guitar for the, for the concert. So it's cool how God was kind of bringing it all together. It's amazing how God makes people meet along the, along the way, you know? Amen. Father, you're a, you're a young man. I want to talk to you about what were your expectations coming out of the seminary? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you enter <laughs> you enter the seminary and uh, you're just kind of following, following the Lord and you don't really know what you're getting into. And maybe that's a good thing, yeah. right? Um, that you're just kind of taking that next step out of the boat. Um, and then obviously you're in seminary and you're um, in some ways in a healthy way. It's kind of a 
um, it's, it's a place of growth and formation and you're not doing a lot of outside ministry, right? And all of a sudden you go from not being a priest at all to completely being a priest and all this formation is put into work at a parish level. And I think I came out of the parish um, knowing that <laughs> we live in a in really in some crazy times, you know, yes. um, times are always kind of crazy, but I think especially now with the rise of secularism, um, there's a lot of distractions in the world right now from the spiritual life. And uh, I knew that's what I was getting myself into. And I very much felt, and that was really confirmed, right? When the pandemic hit, like we saw just how broken and fragile this world is. Yes. Uh, and I really felt like, you know, I even had people say, like, I'm so sorry, this is, I'm so sorry, this is your first few months of priesthood, you know, like, cause I was about five months in a priesthood when the pandemic hit, everything shut down, we're not having public masses, you know, people said, I'm so sorry, this is like your first year of priesthood. And I always said like, gosh, like this is, this is exactly why I'm a priest because these, this world is so broken and so fragile and it's so easy to get ca caught up in the wrong things. Yeah. I'm here in the midst of those times, especially to hopefully point people toward God and to live a life that points toward God. So I, I very much felt like, Hey, um, you know, I, easy times don't really have a need for heroes. You know, it's tough times that give you the chance of greatness. Absolutely. And I really felt like I was, I was called for this time to hopefully um, be formed in this time to be sanctified by this time and hopefully to sanctify others. Let's go back a little bit, Father. You bring up a good point. How did you know that you were called to be a priest? I mean, it sounds like your dad was pretty, pretty faithful guy, your family pretty faithful, but they didn't force you to become a priest, right? No, not at all. In fact, they were a little bit surprised. When I told my dad I was interested in the priesthood, he said, I always wanted a son who was a priest, but I didn't want it to be you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think he thought he would kind of lose me, you know, when I entered seminary. But I think the opposite was true, that the relationship actually grew. Um, but certainly their example growing up was a huge gift to me. Um, and, and I think the Lord, I guess I would say up until the time I was, you know, kind of my mid-teen years, I didn't know what the Lord wanted, but there was a lot of fertile soil in my life, right? I, I'd been protected from a lot of distractions in the world. Um, I had a good example from my parents, as you mentioned. Um, and so I went on a silent retreat when I was 16 and that's when really when I felt the Lord kind of speaking to me saying, Hey, it might be you, it might be you. I'm calling to be a priest. At one point on the retreat, the priest had said, you should choose the vocation that will make you a saint, choose the vocation that will make you a saint. And I know that's going to hit people differently, but in that moment that hit me like priesthood, let's priesthood. And I don't really know why that was. And I remember talking to the, to the spiritual director on the retreat, kind of telling, Hey, I'm kind of feeling drawn to priesthood, but I really like girls. Okay. I, I want to get married. I know you can't get married if you're a priest. And he said, Hey, that's normal. That's okay. God still might be, might be calling you. And so I started praying a lot, going to daily mass, um, just fell in love with what a, what a priest can do for people, especially through the sacraments, being a spiritual father, and um, kind of got some signs that I needed along the way at, at the moments that I needed them. And ultimately felt like I had what I needed to at least enter the seminary as crazy as that seemed. And uh, each little along the way, the Lord gave me just what I needed to stay in. There were so many times I almost left the seminary for lots of different reasons. But um, the Lord always gave me what I needed to call me back. And uh, I really felt like I was I was made for this. I think that's a common feeling throughout seminary. And I've never been, but it's just in my conversations with with people that have been in the seminary that there, there's always that, that desire to leave or... Um, you know, and it's, it's really, you've got to go on faith, I think, to really continue on sometimes. Uh, God almost ab abandoned you, you think? 
Well, I think it's it's true what it says in the scriptures, young man, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare for trials, mm-hmm. right? Those he loves, he he purifies, mm-hmm. right? I'm like a good father does. And I think that's very true, especially in today's world. When you go into the seminary, there is an entire network of evil forces trying to destroy that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's not to say that not to say that it's bad to leave, right? A lot of guys discern very well and they're actually called to marriage and God called them into seminary then called them out, right? But I think it's worth recognizing in today's world that a, a vocation is a fragile thing and it has to be it has to be very carefully nurtured in the right way mm-hmm. because yeah, it, it's hard to keep choosing choosing that life in the midst of, <laughs> of the distractions of, of the world we live in. How do you use your talents within your, your priesthood? Well, you know, it's interesting, just kind of talking about talents, um, uh, a buddy of mine uh, who I was in seminary with all seven years, uh, he ended up getting cancer for the third time right before God ordained. And then last summer, we were two years into priesthood, he ended up, he ended up passing away. And uh, and so, you know, a huge gift, you know, to have him in my in my life for that time. Um, but he was, a, he was a drummer, right? And so it's funny because I'd asked him if he wanted to come play for that concert I'd mentioned. And he said, man, that's crazy because just last week I was thinking I'll probably sell my drum set because like I'm never going to need this again. Right. He was getting ready to post on Craigslist. And then that same week I come and ask if he wants to play for this for this concert. And we were both marveling at how it's so funny when you come to serve Jesus, um, you kind of assume he's going to get rid of all the stuff, you know, that, that maybe you're good at all those gifts. But that's the opposite of what he wants to do. Like if he gave you those gifts. He obviously wants to use them for something, you know, it, it's not as, yes, there needs to be a detachment from those gifts and certainly a detachment from using those gifts for your own glory, for your own ego. But of course the Lord doesn't want to completely take away what he made you to be. He just wants you to use what he made you for something outside of yourself. Right. And so um, I thought I was giving up music when I entered the seminary. I thought I'd probably give up social media stuff. Um and instead, the Lord has has kind of wanted to use it for something else. And I think it's good to be at least available. You know, he may not always want to use it, right? Um, mm-hmm. But be available to use that. Even something as simple as like, um, I started making videos for my youth group when I was in high school. Then got a job when I was in college. Um, and I'd gone to college really young. So I got a job um, for the university art, art gallery, just making videos and stuff. And then entered seminary and kind of thought, oh, I'll get rid of all this stuff. And instead, I was making videos for the seminary, um, for different stuff in the diocese. And then now as a priest, I mean, I do um, do a fair amount of video work for you know social media stuff. Um, so it is funny. <laughs> it is funny how God he wants to use everything, right? You know, Father, as you're talking, I'm thinking about St. Francis. And St. Francis loved the creator. He loved creation, but he loved the creator more. So it's, I think it's kind of what you're saying is it's fine to love your drum set, but the guy who, you know, with God, who gave you the talent to play that drum uh, that, or the guitar or whatever, that's the one you should be giving thanks to and, and loving. So um, Amen. I think that's a, that's a great example that you gave us. Father, you recently changed parishes. We, I've been wanting to have you on for quite a while, and you left uh, St. Faustina Parish in, uh, what, what town was that in? It's called Folsher, Texas. It's like West West Houston, essentially. Okay. Yeah. And so you're in the Diocese of Houston? Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, right. Okay, Archdiocese of Houston. 
what was your transition like from there? I mean, we're all afraid of the unknown and, and you're going from, you know, a parish that's, you know, obviously accepted you and, and uh, embraced you to now you got to, you know, go to this new parish. What were your expectations? Yeah, yeah. Well, one, I appreciate the fact that I was I was kind of ready for it, right? My pastor had said like, hey, you know, three years, that's probably about the time you'll get moved. So I was emotionally kind of preparing for that and processing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you know, religious priests, uh, you know, in religious communities, Jesuits, Dominicans, a lot of them take vows of poverty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the community usually stays the same. Um, for us as Austin priests, we don't take vows of poverty, um, but our community changes. And so there's some priests who kind of say like the poverty of the Austin priesthood is, is the fact that you get moved, right? That your community kind of changes and a little part of you maybe stays with them, you know? So um, there's a sacrifice in that, certainly, in being available to the bishop and his ministry in that way. But I think it's also beautiful to be sent, right? Mm. It's beautiful to be, make yourself available to the Lord. And I don't have to discern and apply for jobs different places. Um, I, I let the Holy Spirit choose where, where I go, you know, and what I do. And, um, you know, overall, just a feeling of gratefulness for that first assignment. The people mm-hmm. there were so good, so kind to me as a young priest, kind of welcoming me in, as you said, and nurturing my vocation. Um, and even my my last week there, they had a, a big party, you know, for me. And um, it was so sweet. They had there were hundreds of people there and they had uh, they basically had a person from each demographic in the parish, like a little kid and then an older kid, someone in high school, someone in young adult ministry, a few adults, um, a, 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 a lady who's a little bit more advanced in years, let's say. And, and they all like shared kind of a testimony of an experience they had with me that kind of affected them in their lives. And it was so moving. It was like overwhelming. It was like, I described, it was like going to your own funeral, kind of, you know, like <laughs> hearing these people talk about you and share their experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, was really so, so moving. They played like a video of, of, of memories we had. And, you know, my dad joked afterwards. He uh, he said, you know, I, I think I left my first job when I was about your age, about 28. And when I left, I don't think anyone really noticed. <laughs> and he said, in your life, with the priesthood that you're living, with this incredible vocation I get to be a part of, when you leave, you know, people definitely notice. And and what a gift I've had an impact on their lives. Um, and for me, you kind of, uh, you know, the Psalms say, blessed are those who mourn. Yeah. I think what Jesus is saying there is like, you're blessed because you had someone you loved, you know, in the morning is because you loved them. And so I think for me, like, yeah, certainly there's a sadness in leaving, but that's because I love these people, you know, what a gift to have people that you loved. And um, the people here at Christ the Good Shepherds where I'm at um, have just been amazing. They've been so, so kind, hospitable and welcoming. And the pastor, Father James, has been great. So um, it's there's a sadness, but also a real excitement to come to a new place and to learn new things and to get to be a part of um, a whole new network of people's lives, you know, in this way as a priest is a, is a real beautiful part of the ministry, I think. Have you had a chance to ask any of the of your new parishioners what their expectations of you are? Gosh, that's a good that's a good question. You know, I talked to Father James and he gave me a, a few things he, he kind of wanted me involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff that would kind of seem to use my, my gifts well and what was needed, you know, as the priest here. Um, but no, I don't think I've asked him that question. Thanks for the idea. I, I like that. Say, hey, what are kind of your expectations for me? What are you hoping for me and my my time here? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for me, my my main expectation was just uh, just to hopefully be helpful, right? I mean, as a priest, there's a real need for the sacraments right now. 
confessions, mass. There's a lot, you know, with the shortage of vocations, but also just to learn, you know, what can I, what can these people teach me about, mm-hmm. about being a priest and being a better Christian? Dave Imhoff and I are both involved heavily in uh, the Knights of Columbus and also the Acts community, which down in Texas, you must be really familiar with Acts. Oh, yeah. We really want to strengthen parishes, and I think that those two organizations really do a great job at strengthening parishes and, and, and assisting priests. How, how do your organizations in your, your parish, how, how are they assisting you in fulfilling your, your priesthood? Yeah. Well, the Knights of Columbus, I mean, um, for, for hundreds of years now, have just been awesome, you know, in the work they do for the church, for families, but um, the way in which they support the priest. Just the other day, we had, uh, it was a gathering of seminarians, and the Knights of Columbus put it on, right? They brought the foods and helped with making sure everything was set up and always so willing to, to be involved and to work in that ministry is a huge help. And then Axe Retreats do such a good job at building community, right? Mm-hmm. What, we, what we want is people who are engaged in their faith, right? We want people who are activated in some way by the life of the Holy Spirit to serve, to witness to the gospel, right? To lead their families. And, and Knights, along with Axe, Axe Retreats, do a really good job of building connections among people. And I think especially for men, right, mm-hmm. like a little bit of accountability from a peer goes a long way, sure does. right? So if a buddy of mine who expects me to show up at mass on Sunday, the chance I'm going goes up a lot, right? And so I think to build that kind of community is is awesome because it because it leads to bearing a lot of fruit in the parish, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's in social ministries or liturgically, right? Um, it's it's all huge. And and man, the way the the way the family goes statistically is the way the father goes, right? Yeah. So for better or for worse. Um, if the fathers in the parish are engaged in things like knights and things like acts, then the families in the parish are in a much better position to be successful spiritually. Yeah. Do you have acts at your, your parish? Oh yeah. I'm going on a retreat uh, this next weekend. I'm the chaplain for, <laughs> for the women's acts retreat. Oh uh, boy. Okay. <laughs> that'll be fun. I'm the, only, I'm the only guy, you know, in 10 miles. Um, but uh, yeah, and I've been on probably 10 or 12 acts retreats. Um, teen acts retreats, men's acts retreats, women's acts retreats. Yeah. So I'm a big fan. What, have, what are your uh, thoughts on, on, I'm sure you've heard confessions. Of course, gone, gone to help. You know, on an acts retreat, do you, do you sense a difference when, when a man has gone on a retreat? The confession, the depth of his confession, do you, do you sense a depth yeah, yeah. So just in general, retreat confessions are going to be a little bit more in depth. And I think the reason for that is is twofold. One, the person probably because of the, if we talk about like a person's disposition to grace, right? So the Lord always gives himself fully in the Eucharist, gives himself fully in the sacrament of confession, but um, our disposition to receive him might vary. In other words, our, our capacity to how much grace we're able of we're capable of receiving is gonna gonna change, right? So, if someone's in fact, if someone's not in a state of grace, they've committed a grave sin. Um, going to Eucharist won't give them any grace, right? Because there's no flow of grace there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's a lot of venial sins, maybe there's some flow of grace, but not a lot. But if someone's awareness of what's happening in the sacrament, their repentance, their contrition, they receive more from it, right? So, to your point, on a retreat. If someone has come Friday afternoon, they've heard some great testimonies. They spent some time in adoration. They've had some people pray with them. Then they come to confession thinking through what they need to put out there. 
then their disposition to grace is, is in a really good place. And, and the depth of that confession can be really, really strong. The depth of their prayer, the depth of their Eucharist that weekend can be really good. People should still go to confession outside of that and still try to cultivate that disposition of grace, but it has a unique character on retreat. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I would say too is on a retreat, there are so many people praying in most cases for those going on the retreat, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the Lord is, is working those prayers in a very powerful way in the souls of those people. So I think it's worth considering um, and worth really encouraging on people. We definitely have to leave a little extra time for confessions on retreat because you kind of know how it's going to go. I, I've seen the lines, you know, after, you know, doing a talk, I've just seen the lines to get into, you know, for confession. It's, it's, it's amazing. And it's an absolutely beautiful thing to see a guy with his head bowed, heading for a confessional. Confession, man, it's such a gift. It's such a gift as Catholics. Yeah. I, I'm, it's one of my favorite sacraments. I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, you can have a favorite sacrament because they're all so great, you know, <laughs> but, okay. but you know, to, to witness, you know, a brother who's certainly got something on his soul and, and you know, heavy on his heart and you, and you go and you see him after, you know, before and after there's, there's a lightness to their spirit after confession. Oh yeah. You know, and as a priest, you must see that all the time. Oh my gosh, man. To, to get to witness the conversion, the change happening right there. Mm-hmm. It's it's an incredible honor to see it, to see them come in burdened in a real way, chained by sin, and to walk out free mm-hmm. is it's amazing to be just to be able to witness that. And then of course to actually be the instrument of that is I mean, I can't even fathom, you know, how beautiful that is. Yeah. Um for me to get to be part of that, but just to watch it is is amazing. You know, Father, I'd like to just share this with you and my audience that Father Larry Burrell is one of my favorite people in the world. He's one of my best friends in the world. I was the first one that he that uh, he heard my I he heard my confession, and I was the first one oh, to well, confess to him. First. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, but anyways, I, I told him. I says, Father, I says, it's amazing that I, I come to you. I, you know, I, I admit some of these you know these deep dark secrets that I, I I probably wouldn't have told you when you were just Larry. You know. <laughs> Right. But but now it, it forces me to look at who I'm really confessing to, that I'm really confessing to Jesus Christ. That it's not Larry sitting there. But right. but but that there's that, that, that little battle that goes on, but I, I, I feel I get like a really good deep confession when I'm when I when I struggle through that. And and I told him that, you know, it helps me to confess to Jesus more, knowing that I have to force myself to believe that it's Jesus that I'm actually confessing to and not him. Right. Right. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because the, um, that's, well, that's first, that's the heart of the priesthood is that the priest is so conformed to the person of Jesus. He even acts in the person of Jesus Christ and speaks on behalf of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's an incredible mystery, but that's the idea. Mm-hmm. And that's why somebody asked me the other day why Protestants, why non-Catholic brothers and sisters don't have confession. Well, who is supposed to do that? You know, if there's no priesthood, who can act in the person of Jesus? Who can say, I absolve you? You know, it it makes no sense, to your point, to say it to Larry. <laughs> right. It makes sense to say it to Pastor Larry, right? It only makes sense to say it to Jesus Christ. And, and that's the real mystery. And, and Jesus, 
wants to be that available for you. He wants you to be able to talk to him. So he acts through Larry, sanctifies Larry, sets him aside for ordination. So you have access to Christ. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's going on there, right? That's the that's the real beauty, the, the real beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Father, is your priesthood different than say Father Larry's? And, and what I mean so, by that is, you know, your bishop has sent you to your current parish Father Larry was sent by his bishop to his current parish. Your talents are are being used at your parish. You know, Father Larry's are being used at his. Father Larry has has consecrated his his priesthood to Mary. Is it a different... Is a priesthood a different species, you know, between men? That's a great question. No one's ever asked that before. So I think, um, first, I think it's good to affirm that no in its essence the priesthood is it's the priesthood of jesus christ right that's the same each of us is just sharing in the priesthood of jesus christ even we could say that um i actually my priesthood comes from my bishop even because that's the apostolic line Mm -hmm. so i actually share in the in, in the priesthood of my of my bishop right um so just as every host that's consecrated is jesus not in a different way every priest who is consecrated in a sense ordained it is of the same character, but, and I think what it kind of speaks to is God does call different types of men to be, be priests, right? And he calls, he calls men, which back to our early point, crazy that he would call human beings to do this, but he loves us so much. He wants to be president, you know, for his people. And he calls, he calls sinful human beings. And the fact that we're broken human beings can be a hindrance on some level, but on some level it's also helpful because we can actually relate with people. We can cry with people. We can struggle and suffer and carry the cross with people, right? Like it's very incarnational. Jesus was fully human, right? And that's the beauty of it. And so God uses our humanity, hopefully the good aspects of it, uses our humanity to encounter his people. So I would kind of compare it to like um, different religious communities, right? You got Jesuits, You've got Dominicans, you got Franciscans. They have what we call different charisms. And a charism is the Holy Spirit expressing something in a new way, a new, a new expression. So through St. Francis, who you mentioned earlier, the Franciscans expressed a real love for, for working with the poor, right? Through um, the Dominicans, a real love of preaching, right? That These are all expressions of God, aspects of God that are being brought out into the world, right? And I would say it's the same with the, with the priesthood that um, each priest in his humanity is kind of a different expression of God. It's like a different expression of of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. in terms of kind of what their charism is, right? What they focus on. This priest is really good at preaching. This priest is so good at connecting with people. This priest is so good at bringing healing the sacrament of confession, you know? Um, And what that means is that the people of God, who are all very, very different and different expressions of God, they have these different different expressions of God to connect with, right? Maybe some priests really connect with these people and some really connect with these people. And it's so beautiful that we have all of those because there are definitely people who, who who maybe don't connect with me, right? I just don't, I'm just not, not really their vibe. And there's some people who connect with me in a really special way that I can really help. And so I think it's so great that the, particularly the Dawson priesthood, we're kind of all over the place. <laughs> hopefully not in, in holiness. Hopefully we're all holy and, mm-hmm. and, and, and hopefully we're getting rid of sin in our lives. But in terms of personality and gifts, I mean, we could not be more different. Yeah, it must be a 
it must be special to to know that you're Mary's boys. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Well, to be so confirmed to her, so conformed to her son, mm-hmm. that she loves us like like her son. You know, one of the Eucharistic prayers, Eucharistic prayer four, it says, Jesus um, became like us, became you know one with us, so that God might love in us what He loved in His Son. Mm-hmm love us what he loved love us like his son so they can the same way like for us as priests in a, it's true for everybody for but for us as priests in a unique way that when we are conformed to christ we also get the spiritual benefits of being loved that mary can love in us what she loved in her son mm-hmm. which is just like i mean that's overwhelming right it's amazing and and honestly father there's, there's almost a little bit of a jealousy you know, I, I would, I never would want to be a priest. I, I honestly, God, I, I never would want to do it. It's not me. Um, my, you know, I, I love the priesthood, but it's, it's not for me, but I have to say there is that jealousy about Mary. You know, I, I just, Mary is, is a, it was through Mary that I came to Jesus, believe it or not. Yeah. You know? That's the best way. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the best way to do it. <laughs> and, you know, you know the, my first devotion was, you know, uh, to Jesus through Mary, St. Louis de Montfort. Um, I had to have a brown scapular, and I couldn't find any around here. And, and it was just like, was, you know, Mary just became my mother. And it, it was it was through uh, the rosary and praying. The uh, the wedding feast at Cana was really when, when Mary became my spiritual mom and uh and, you know, when I found out how, how much she loves the priests, I was, you know, I felt a little bit of a jealousy there. But I love my wife too much to to become a priest. Oh, I, I get it. <laughs> I, I actually totally get it. There's a healthy you know, recognition of the of the beauty of all of that. She's and a, uh, she's a great mom. Hey, I want to bring Dave Imhoff in. Dave, do you have any questions for her father? I was uh, a little... Uh, intrigued and interested in, you know, you're working with the Knights of Columbus and, and obviously Acts. Um, uh, one of the things I wanted to share is that I had, you know, I, I passed Grand Knight, I'm currently a district deputy, but I don't get into that. But um, And I've been on many uh, Acts retreats, a few more than the number you mentioned. So I, yeah. um, anyway, what I tried to do is say, well, all the men that are in the Knights of Columbus need to go on an axe retreat. And all the men that have gone on an axe retreat need to join the Knights of Columbus. That's I love it. it. There you I go. I kind of build, a, build a, two of them on top. But the question I have uh, is about the Knights of Columbus, and that is, have you noticed uh, over recent years that um, the Knights have gotten much more spiritual, much more focused on faith? Um, you know, of course, you know, the, the good works that they do Coats for kids, uh, et cetera, feeding the poor. That's continues. But have you noticed a more of a focus on faith with the Knights of Columbus? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, I'm not sure I'm uh, the most qualified to speak about that as a whole. I'm, I'm a third degree knight, um, but um, I've never been involved in the in the hierarchy or anything. Um, but certainly on, on my end, yeah, I've seen that. I know it the last parish I was at, they did a, a lot of beautiful work, especially for the unborn. Um, they had a, a this beautiful statue commissioned of of Mary holding holding two small babies, and it was a monument to all the unborn children. And um, 
I love that their dedication to that ministry. Um, and you know, all the, um, all, all the prayer that they do, the fundraising that they do. Um, in fact, I just did a, uh, it was last summer they did, you know, that everyday hero series that's coming out. Mm, yeah. Um, we filmed one with them. I think it'll be coming out in, in a few months. Nice. Um, so, I mean, just even beyond their own councils, really trying to bring the gospel out there using media and all of that. I, I really respect that. Um, uh, and it's definitely very, very needed in the church right now. Um, that men are engaged in that way. And all the fish fries are great too. I, 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 that, that's some of my some of my favorite stuff. So, the uh, Incident Breach. You're familiar with that uh, series they put together? Yeah, I haven't watched the whole thing, but the quality is is really high. I've enjoyed yeah. what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's the type of stuff that I'm talking about. That engaging with the with men on their faith. And you mentioned that the man, you know, the family follows the man, you know. And that's really the big theme of this Into the Breach um, is it's about, you know, making men recognize what their important role and that they need to, you know, step up and get step into that breach and assume their role and lead their families. Uh, it's a great series. Yeah, could not agree more. Um, and that's the benefit of the Knights is that men, well, men, iron sharpens iron right so other men helping encouraging other men to step up like you're saying and so being part of an, a council naturally naturally does that right when it's oriented toward the right things so that's huge thanks for all the work you've done with them and continue to do labor of love and as you said for god's glory amen father dave imhoff did a lot of work on getting these uh, blessed mcgivney days of reflection going and they've been a blessing to men one of the things that we talk about on that is the charisms of Father McGivney. And it seems like Father McGivney was a really, really high energy kind of guy, which is kind of like the feeling that I get from you when I see all your Facebook stuff. And, and I think Father McGivney would have embraced the modern technology. And, and, and uh, what are your charisms that, that you can share with uh, the people in, in your parish? Yeah, you know, I, I guess I hope that... Um... Hope I can bring joy. I mean, that's my that's my hope. Um, I think Pope Francis talks about that a lot. Um, that's really the mark of a, <laughs> of a Christian who's living it is is joy. And um, I think at least at this point in my priesthood, that seems as though um, you know something that I can that I can bring and that I naturally naturally want. And I definitely have an energy for energy for souls. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get people to heaven. You know, and it's it's tough work, but it's the best work out there. Is there um, any so think, is there any kind of social injustice that you've embraced other than uh, pro life? I mean, I know pro life is a big. Yeah, well, just because that's foundational, mm-hmm. right? And the USCCB has said this: the the um, the right to life as it's threatened has as it's been threatened by abortion. We obviously had a big victory this summer mm-hmm. with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, if we if there's no if there's no recognition of the value and dignity of human life in the womb, then we've we've really lost it. Um, but I think, you know, certainly beyond that, it's good for us to be talking about some of these issues are very complicated and difficult Mm -hmm. and become very politicized, but I think it is worth talking about how we can better accommodate, um, and better reach out to and serve those, those who are homeless, you know, um, what we can do in terms of immigration policies, right. To kind of work through that and in a way that would be, um, be truly helpful for people um and do it the right way you know mm-hmm. um so i think a lot of these things are 
uh, are difficult, but the church needs to be on the front lines of, of this stuff, right? Working through. What about suicide, Father? Do you, uh, as a as a priest, have you dealt with that? Yeah. So um, certainly talked to a lot of people who were very very depressed, right? That's that seems like it's coming up, and even like post pandemic, seems like it's coming up more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, I haven't had to deal with a family who immediately had just been affected by by a suicide, but have met with people right on the brink of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, honestly, man, I would go back to what we were saying earlier. If a young person has not grown up um, with with good parental figures, with a good father. The, the emotional and um, psychological trauma that can come from that. That isn't always the case, but I do think healthy, um, healthy family life, um, parents who are engaged with their kids, careful about things that are online, careful about the influences at school. I mean, I think, even though I, I think social media can be a great tool, I often compare it to like a bad neighborhood. You know, like you got to be really careful there. There should be a church in a bad neighborhood. I think there should be a priest in a bad neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But everybody going into that bad neighborhood needs to be very careful. And I'm not sure. Um, well, actually, I'll just say this little tangent. But I, I went to a monastery um, uh, uh, several months ago to visit some of the the monks there and pray with them and live with them. And one of the monks there told me that anytime one of the uh, monks needs to use the Internet, right, oftentimes the abbot will give them a blessing as they're, they're going on a journey. They're about to go on a dangerous journey and they get a blessing. Wow. That's how they, these are grown men who are absolutely masters in the spiritual life, in asceticism and self-control and discipline and mortification. Mm-hmm. And for them, before you go off into the internet, you probably need a blessing. And I just think like, we should probably think twice before we hand our eight-year-olds an iPad, you know, if, if that's how the monks are, our monks are processing it. So I think, I think, you know, to, to round that out to your question, we've got to be forming really healthy families because today's world is dangerous, right? And for kids to navigate this without becoming really confused and really depressed and really lonely and really lost, you need to have some really positive influences. And that's got to start with the family. Absolutely. Um, bullying is a, is another thing that social media can can really exacerbate. Oh, for sure. And that really, it's, it's like you say, I mean, we've got to have good families because kids need a, a good, safe place to be. And if you were bullied back in my day, in Dave's day, it was, you know, you just went home, you, you, you were relatively safe, you know. Uh, you go home today and, and the bullying doesn't stop because there is social media and kids don't want to tell their parents that they're being bullied. They're ashamed of it. And, uh, so we, we need to be right there with our kids and we need to you know let them know that they're loved. A hundred percent. Yeah. For them not to find their identity in, in, in what other people are saying about them. Right. Um, and the kids who are bullying other kids, they need good families too, mm-hmm. because that's always coming from an insecurity, right. Themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good to, it's good to talk about these things and to as, kind of bring it to light. As a young man, do you think that you can, touch these you know younger generation that they they connect with you more because you're closer in age to them i mean i don't i don't know for sure you know what their experience is but i'm definitely definitely trying right definitely trying to Mm -hmm. to connect and um (laughs) you know i'm already 28 i feel like you know time is flying i'm (laughs) getting older but uh, hopefully to the extent that i can i do 
do want to connect with the with the youth and and help them to to find their joy in the right places and to be pursuing the right things um and to not settle for what this world offers but to keep pursuing god um that's definitely my hope father you're 28 i have t-shirts older than you <laughs> <laughs> that's a good quality t-shirt good quality t-shirt <laughs> yeah, it was a fruit of the loom back in the no but uh, <laughs> father is there anything that you'd like to talk about is there anything that's pressing on you that no i i certainly appreciate that um just overall appreciate what you guys are doing we need more men who are engaged engaged in the faith engaged in family lives currently other men um men who are yeah using using the media as you are to to connect i mean if we had more of that the world would be in a much much better place right now so really appreciate what you guys are doing well father i know your time is valuable i won't keep you much longer i just i want to thank you for joining us along the way father would you give us a blessing i would love to let's do it in the, name of the father son and the holy spirit amen heavenly father we give you thanks for this opportunity that you've given us to live lives for your glory be thanks that you are present with us always present when you when we call upon you we ask that you uh, be with be with these men and the great work that they are doing through this podcast. I ask that you renew and, and refresh them in their call to holiness. Pray for anyone who might listen to this, that they will be refreshed. They will have a renewed sense of your love for them. We ask that you continue to give us strength and courage to do everything that you call us to in this life that we might live with you forever in the life to come. And through the imposition of my hands and the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints, Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. Thank so you for, guys. Oh, it, it, this was, I, I was looking forward to this, this interview all day, so just want to let you know. And I hope, we, I hope you'll stay in touch with me and Dave, and uh, if there's anything we can ever do for you, please let us know. For sure, uh, same here. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. So for my guest, Father David Michael Moses, I hope you'll check him out on Facebook and, and throughout social media. For my producer, David Imhoff, I'm down the hall, Dave, always praying that your troubles be less, your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. We'll see you next time.